0: Welcome to America's Top Revisions. May this class be for Rafu Shalema for Ariella Bat sara Eitan Bat Zechariah for Va- Ezri- Ariella, Leah Hannah Batova, and Hannah Bat Masha please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top rabbitsons YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am honored to have on today's show Rebetzin Hani Lapine. Lepine. Rebetzin hani, along with her husband, Rabbi Avraham, run the Chabad Jewish Center of Missouri University and Mid-Missouri. Rebetzin hani hosts weekly Shabbat dinners that provide Jewish students with an intimate setting to eat, a place to make new friends from every niche of the campus community and celebrate Shabbat in a spiritual and intellectually stimulating manner. She also runs creative holiday programs to raise Jewish context, consciousness and pride to the community. She gives Torah classes and she meets with students individually. And this is the coolest thing I think that you do. She also brings chicken soup from the, to the University of Missouri students when they are sick. Wow, <laughs> that is really, really so cool. They provide this comfort to students who are away from home. So thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Yeah,
1: so like you said, we run Chabad on campus here at um, University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's a privilege. I love doing it. Um, I feel really inspired by the students who like, you know, they have so much going on on campus and but they'll come for Friday night dinner, for Shabbat dinner and each time it's like it's inspiring to be here with for them and we also serve the broader Jewish community in any in many different ways Um, just here to support them it's a small community Um, but yeah like my husband we there's just so many different ways that we were here for them my husband has a levaya today sometimes it means you know a holiday program Um, there's just Torah classes a minion here and there so that along with we also have seven children, Bar Hashem, mm-hmm. and we homeschool, so we're pretty busy.
0: Wow, yeah. for sure. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm sure the so students great. really appreciate you being there because you really provide the center of Jewish life for them while they're away from home, while they're at school. So it's yeah. amazing. And like you said,
1: the chicken soup, like that's my favorite part, just mm-hmm. being their family and being here for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah you really are. Yeah. Um, So today we're going to talk about a topic that can often be confusing and misunderstood. So today we are going to hopefully clear up a lot of misconceptions. We're going to talk about kashrut. So kashrut is a set of dietary laws dealing with the foods that Jewish people are permitted to eat and how those foods must be prepared according to Jewish law. And there is a lot to say about kashrut. So let's start at the beginning. And then it's going to get more interesting and more detailed, I promise. This is actually going to be a very, very interesting interview. So so let's start at the beginning. Can you please tell us the fundamental principles of kashrut, as well as, as the types of foods that we can and cannot eat?
1: Sure. So yeah, there's a lot to kashrut, uh, much more than can, that could be said in, in a short podcast. But um, so just to start the basics, um, so the Torah describes the animals that are kosher by telling us the two signs, which is the split hooves and chooses cud. And then when it comes to fish, it's fins and scales that make the fish kosher. And then. Um, Fowl, the Torah tells us like 24 non-kosher birds, birds of prey that we can't eat. And then the ones that we could eat, we know from tradition, are more domesticated birds, which are like um chicken and duck, geese, turkey, and pigeon. Um, so that's that's birds and fowl. And then um we can't eat any bugs or any um how do, like um how do you call it like reptiles, stuff like that. So that basically sums up the types of foods that we can eat. Fruits, fruits and vegetables are usually fine, um, of course, unless it comes from the Holy Land. Then there's certain uh, in Israel, there's certain other laws that apply to uh, fruits and vegetables of Israel. Um, and then, then there's uh, the way that we slaughter um, animals, which would have to be in a special way. Um, which is with a very sharp knife and we, it's called shkita and there's lots of laws with that um but it's a it's a like a more it, it's a nicer way of uh, a nicer way <laughs> but it's basically a, a less um it, like it hurts less because it's very quick with a with a very sharp knife um, so that's the slaughtering and there's a lot that goes into that and then um and then there's basically the kosher kitchen which is having meat and dairy separate yeah what i love about the the topic of kosher is that um you know judaism is unique in that like it's not all about the synagogue it's not all about going to the synagogue it's really all about the home and kosher is like you know it's about how we eat how we live and kosher is a very different way of of eating. And and every single day we can connect to Hashem in this special way. Um, So that's what's cool about kosher. But anyway, that's the basics.
0: I love that. And so we're going to we're going to build on that right now. So thank you. Thank you for laying down the basics, because now we're going to get into those questions that everybody has. So here it is. Here's the first one. And I, and I got this from people you know, who listen to my podcast. So these are their questions. So I understand that we can't mix dairy and meat because we can't cook a calf in its mother's milk. That's what it says in the Torah. We can't cook a calf in its mother's milk. However, a question came in from one of our listeners and she asks, why can't we mix dairy with chicken? So in other words, like a chicken parmesan, something like that, as opposed to red meat. She brings up a good point because chickens do not make their own milk, so there's no chance of mixing meat and milk. So, can you please explain the prohibition behind eating chicken parmesan? Okay,
1: so the Torah doesn't differentiate when when it comes to meat and milk. We don't differentiate between what types of kosher meat and what types of milk. We we can't we can't mix them in any in any way, shape, or form. So, um, when it comes to chicken, so it doesn't say chicken in the Torah. Chicken is is uh, is a it's a fowl. It's not a meat, right? right? So that is a good question. Um, however, the reason why we don't eat chicken parmesan is because um, when basically the rabbis instituted that chicken would be considered meat, just like meat because of the way it's slaughtered. So because of that special way of slaughtering that I was speaking about before, the shita, so... In order not to get mixed up, which meats you can't milk, you can't mix with milk. The rabbis instituted that chicken would be just considered the same as, um, or any meat that is slaughtered is the same as meat, like an animal from an animal.
0: Okay, so that makes sense. Yes. So, yeah. like, because the because of the way that chicken slaughtered. So, a chicken is slaughtered. And um, if I just want to clarify, in the similar way that, let's say, a cow is slaughtered with, yeah. the, and I'm imagining it. I've never slaughtered any animal, but I'm imagining a very, very sharp knife slicing the neck. Is that kind of like yes. how it is?
1: Yeah, that's kind of how it is.
0: Yeah. Okay, and that that kind of slicing is the same for the chicken. It's the same for the turkey. It's the same for for a cow. Yeah,
1: okay. and I should mention. So when it comes to slaughtering, it also, there also are laws in how it has to be um, salted and rinsed so that we take out all the blood because blood is also not kosher.
0: Good point. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot to kosher. It <laughs> really, really is. So I'm going to ask you an interesting question. So, okay. So we can't eat chicken Parmesan. We can't eat a, a, a cheeseburger, you know, a beef cheeseburger. Okay. I understand that. So now I want to ask you, you know, now in this day and age, we're getting really creative with, with food. What about like a vegan cheeseburger? Like what about Like a beyond burger, like a, or, a, or a bean burger that we make at home, beans and vegetables and all kinds of stuff together. No meat, just beans. And just put a slice of cheddar on top, melt it in the oven and put it between two buns. And that's lunch. Like, is that okay? That's great. Sounds great. <laughs> that's it. okay. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, we do a lot of that type of stuff.
1: Because, I mean, we like meat, but we also like the cheese, the veggie burgers and stuff like that.
0: So, okay, so a Beyond Burger or a veggie burger or a bean burger with a slice of any kind of cheese, that's good. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>, totally <definitely> fine. <laughs> okay. So, in addition to the actual kosher foods that we eat, we have separate dishes, we have separate cookware. So, not just dishes, you know, um, bowls and plates, but also cookware, separate pots, separate pans, and we have separate utensils for milk and for meat. Um, we can't even use the same plates or pots or forks for both meat and dairy, even if we wash them really, really well under scalding hot water. So I've often heard it said that years ago in Europe, many people were poor and they couldn't afford a separate set of pots and pans and dishes and all that. They only had the one pot, the one dish, the one fork, they shared everything and they use it all to cook everything, you know, way, way back when. So I'm honestly not sure what they did back then because I wasn't there, I have no idea. So I don't know how they managed to keep kosher. Is it absolutely necessary to have separate meat and dairy equipment now? And if so, why? And also, if you can shed any type of light as to what they did back in Europe, you know, when they only had that one pot and pan, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting question.
0: So, yeah,
1: definitely we do have to have separate pots and pans and dishes. Glassware, like for drinking, is less of an issue. Um, But so you're allowed to use for either one. So, um, can I just ask you, to
0: like, can I ask why? Yeah. Because I, I, also, when I'm washing the dishes, sometimes I'll wash glass and think, okay, well, I wash it with a meat sponge. Can I still drink a smoothie out of it? You know, so why is it for glass that could be used for both?
1: Yeah. So, technically, um, technically it's fine, but we do just, we just not, now because we have the ability to, we just like to have everything separate, uh, for glassware because glassware is a different type of, um, Material. So it's just a little different how it, how it absorbs.
0: So is it because the glass isn't porous? Is that why? Um, You know,
1: honestly, I'm not sure exactly why. Okay. I just know that there's different materials and the way that things absorb is different. Okay. Like let, let's say it comes to like tinware or, um, ceramic glass. So glass is something that's, first of all, it's not kosherable. Like you can't kosher it if you put it under like boiling hot water. So, <clears throat> but if it, but at the same time, it also doesn't really, uh, yeah, it doesn't get like affected by the product that's in, that's in it.
0: That is so fascinating. Okay, so but we but sh- well, we should still keep the meat the meat Pyrex glass um, pans for separate from the dairy ones. Just just for delineation purposes. So, so we don't confuse them and, you know, but that's just so interesting to me. I just have to take a second to absorb that because it's fascinating for ceramic. I understand because I know that it's porous, you know, and it absorbs the taste of the chicken when you cook, when you cook, you know, you could, there's still chicken in that ceramic pan, even after you wash it. So you're not going to cook a lasagna in it, but it's just so interesting that glass isn't affected by that that's okay that's so interesting i'm sorry go on i just had to absorb that
1: (laughs) yeah no i'm not exactly sure how it comes because you know there's also pyrex and i don't know if that i I think that would be put in the oven i don't know all the ins and outs like i said it's there's so much to this Mm -hmm. Um, and to really get to really understand like in each situation um it's really helpful to know you know your local Orthodox rabbi and call them because there's so many nuances to each situation. Um but generally yeah so generally we have to have separate pots and pans dishes um now in the olden days I imagine that they probably they didn't have so much so they have like one set they either used it for meat or milk when it came to hot things and then cold is less of an issue. So they probably they could just use their cold I mean if they had They usually didn't have much um, meat, only on Shabbat, probably, and holidays. Um, So I don't know. I'm imagining that's how they went about
0: it. That's interesting. Okay. Or if maybe one family had a a set of meat dishes and another one said I had a set of dairy dishes, then they could swap. You know, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But it's less than an issue when it comes to cold. So they could just rinse it off if it was cold. So, okay. uh, And then just use it for meat.
0: Okay, so if you had a plate and let's say you had um, a cheese sandwich on there, for example, you finish eating the cheese sandwich, it was cold, not a melted cheese sandwich, a cold cheese sandwich, you wash it underwater, it's clean. Now you could have a uh, chicken, chicken on there.
1: Yeah, something hot, something I, hot. Yeah, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Technically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, these days we're just, we have the ability to just be to more to careful. Separate. So we, So yeah. we, yeah, so we just do everything separate and we have our dishwashers. We're just very spoiled these days. So we might as well, um, you know, have double of everything. In my kitchen, you have, we hold the whole meat side, a whole milk side, you know, two different ovens. Those days, they just had one oven. They probably just used it for meat.
0: Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, So in addition to um, the physical component of kashrut, such as separating the milk and meat and not eating certain foods like shellfish and pork, there's a spiritual aspect of kashrut. And there's something that happens to a person spiritually when they eat non-kosher food. Some people who are skeptical skeptical about keeping kosher think, well, what happens to you if you eat non-kosher food? People eat non-kosher food all the time and nothing happens to them. They don't drop dead. They don't get sick. Why do we need to keep kosher? So in order to help answer this question, can you please tell us more about the effect that the food we eat has on us? spiritually because it's true if a jew god forbid a million times if a god if a jew goes into a restaurant and eats a ham sandwich they're most likely not going to drop dead on the spot they're not they'll walk out they'll be fine they can continue on their day but i feel like something happens to them spiritually and it's not just ham it's any unkosher food what happens
1: so the kosher is a very unique mitzvah another reason why it's very unique is because it literally we, there's no other mitzvah that we're literally digesting it Yes, I mean, there's masa, but we basically are digesting this food. It it becomes who we are, you know, like the saying, like, you are what you eat. So it really does make a very big difference to us spiritually. And it's true. It really, it's it's a Jewish diet. You know, it's the way that we we Jews have, uh, you know, ate food for years and years. It's definitely, it's our makeup. It makes us more spiritually sensitive. So it's de- there's definitely truth to it that if we eat non-kosher food, we become less sensitive to, spiritual- to spirituality. Um, yeah, and so that's why it is very important, mitzvah. And um, it does make a difference.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so when you say that we become less sensitive um, to spirituality or less spiritually sensitive, what exactly does that mean?
1: So... So I, I'll tell you what, what I see people that when they start keeping kosher, mm-hmm. let's put it this way. You can see a difference. You can see that they're more getting they feel more for Judaism. They feel more for spirituality. Um, and it just it, it makes you feel more attracted to Hashem, to the Torah, to the mitzvahs as a Jew from, you know,
0: Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting perspective, right? Like when somebody who hasn't kept kosher, then they start keeping the laws of kashrut. They become more inclined and more sensitive toward Jewish things spiritually. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. The Rambam, also the Ramban says that the reason, there's no real reason why we keep kosher. We keep kosher because Hashem told us it's one of the laws called, it's one of the mitzvot called chukim right? Those are just statues. They're just laws. We do it because Hashem said, there's no real reason. But, um, the Ramban, Nahman means he explains that, um, that one of, that perhaps the reason or one of the benefits of keeping kosher is that we're, we become more refined because we're not eating, um, animals that are, um, wild animals and the birds that we eat are not birds of prey they're domesticated um, birds and domesticated animals so we gain their attributes um, as a result of eating you know these types of animals we become less you know less aggressive unless all these all these attributes that come from more wild animals and species
0: wow that's I'm, I'm taking in that concept. That's a fascinating concept, right? Because birds of prey, you're right, they're they're wild animals, and they have certain types of behaviors. And I'm not saying that you know chickens or cows are not wild animals. I mean they they are, yeah. but they're, they're more they're more refined. They're more they have more of a gentle nature than let's say a crocodile, you know, or a wildebeest.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Um, so now I'm going to ask a very interesting question. It's a controversial question, halav Yisrael. So no discussion of Kashrut would be complete without talking about halav Yisrael dairy products. The term of Yisrael refers to kosher milk that came from a cow that was milked while it was being watched over by an observant Jew. In other words, an observant Jew oversaw the milking of the cows. So I understand that of Yisrael milk is different from milk that has a regular kosher certification like an OU or an OUD. Can you please explain to us the significance of of Yisrael milk and how that's different from an OUD certification?
1: Yeah, so uh, I mean, Chabad takes uh, Chalav Israel very seriously, yes. and we're very strict about it. So for us, um, you know, we won't make any exceptions, even living out here in Columbia, Missouri, where we can't get Chalav Israel milk or cheeses. Um, but some communities have a different custom, so and they're, you know, they'll in certain situations they'll have O.U.D. or non-Chalav Israel products. Um, but no, but we're very strict about it. So we have our almond milk and sometimes we'll, <laughs> we'll get some milk in, which is nice, but we we don't drink anything that's not Yisrael.
0: So what what is the difference? Like, why why does Habad um insist on Yisrael? Like, what is the spiritual significance of hali Yisrael versus OUD?
1: So, I mean, where did it come from? Is that the question? Yeah. So there's a certain um It's basically, I guess it's a certain leniency in certain cases that people would be able to have, um, you know, milk that's not watched by a Jew, because the FDA supervises it to a certain extent in America. So that's where it kind of comes from. Um, But because this is instituted, you know. Way before FDA, we take this very seriously, and we don't drink anything that that hasn't been watched by a Jew. Our our community, the Chabad community,
0: right? You know, so it's interesting because I heard um, Rabbi Manus Freeman he was once giving a talk about Hall of Yisrael, and he was saying that there is some kind of a spiritual significance. Like it's an elevated type of milk. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you know, like I was saying before about. Um, you are what you eat. Yes. So if you're going to, if you're going to be very careful with have love Israel, you'll, you know, most likely you'll be more sensitive to spirituality in the same way as being careful about kosher. I mean, in a different, to a different degree, but similar to the, the, the concept of keeping kosher makes you more sensitive to Judaism and spirituality. So it's a similar type of uh, connection here.
0: I like that. And now this makes me think of, okay, so we're talking about L only refers to dairy products. But now I would just want to ask you another question about meat because I'm thinking of the term term glot kosher. What is the difference between glot kosher and just regular kosher?
1: Right. So glot kosher is like, it was, it was, it's smooth. It means it's smooth, which means there's no, uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't really watched over here. Maybe it wasn't so perfect over there. It means that it was really, it's really kosher, all the way kosher. Uh, without any um, maybes. Okay, so,
0: is and is that that's the highest level of kashrut like in the meat on the meat side? sure, I, I guess is the highest uh, level of kashrut on the dairy side, but on the meat side, when Jews look for for meat, they look for glatt kosher or?
1: Well, basically, kosher is glatt kosher when it comes to meat, okay. because once it's not really glatt kosher, it's it's really not so kosher. We don't really know the kosher level of it. So when it comes to meat, it's a little bit different. Everybody that keeps kosher usually keeps glatt kosher.
0: Okay. Okay. And that makes sense. Okay. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. That explains that explains a lot about Kashrut. Now, is there anything else? Like before we end, I just wanted to see if maybe there's anything else that you would like to share with us about Kashrut, either about the the actual halaha of Kashrut or maybe about the about students that the you've, students seen, you've seen. Um, in your, Um, in your college on the campus, you know, about them becoming, you know, going from not keeping kosher to keeping kashrut, just anything like that, that you'd like to share?
1: Sure. So like everything in Judaism, it's not all or nothing. And when it comes to kosher, it's the same. So, um, you know, if a person wants to take on a step of keeping kosher, it's important to just discuss with, you know, a rabbi or Robinson or whoever you're in contact with and, and talk about, you know, what is a good first step for me? Because every, Every step in Judaism or every, and especially in like kosher, which is such an important mitzvah because it becomes who we are. So every step, you know, is, is important. It makes a big difference. So you can't be like, Oh, I don't keep kosher. It's fine. But if you just, you know, maybe, Oh, well, I only eat kosher meat. And that happens a lot. We have a lot of students that will come and say, can we buy some kosher meat off you? Um, Cause you can't really get it local. So, so, and that's a beautiful way to keep kosher in whatever you know, in, in the setting that you were in or at the level that you're at now. Um, and we're always increasing and adding in our Judaism. So one day maybe you'll do a little bit more, but always, you know, even just a little bit of trying to keep kosher, looking for kosher products in the store that have an OU or okay, um, Because you know you could buy you could buy one without an OU or OK, but why not just get the one that's kosher? So just like little adding little steps
0: um, is is huge. That's beautiful. And I like what you said. It's really not all or nothing. So maybe you start with keeping just kosher meat, and then everything else is not kosher. And then you start little by little kosher cheeses, kosher condiments, kosher you know whatever you're buying that's kosher. And then you can move on with the kosher um, kosher dishes and kosher pots and pans. Yeah, and coastering your kitchen and yeah. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbits and Honey, for joining us on America's Top Rebitson's. It was truly a pleasure to have you with us. And may the tremendous learning that we did today be for Rafush Shlema, for Zacharias uh, Shalom, Ben Batsheva Simcha, Lea Hana Batova, and Hana Bat Masha, and also for for Etan Bat Zevadia um Ariella and Ariella Vatera. Thank you so much.
1: Amazing. And also Rufu Shlema, if I can add. Yes. Or a fellow, a friend of mine, a Shlucha, a Revitan, Henya um, Bat Bracha Devoralea.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for adding her name. Amen.